We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I am still buzzing after that Lakers win over the Milwaukee Bucks. Absolutely incredible stuff. So much so that we needed to do a bonus show. We have so many extra questions and comments coming in from our post-game show. I've got a couple of trade topics I need to get into as well. And let's face it, it is a good time to be a Lakers fan. And there haven't been enough of those over the last year and a half or so, maybe even more than that. But the Lakers getting the big win over the Milwaukee Bucks, one of the best teams in the NBA. That was the best game of the NBA season period, win or lose. That game was incredible. You had all of the stars going off, doing just amazing things. And ultimately, when the dust settled, the Lakers got the big win. So we've got a lot to talk about from that that we're going to break down. Before I dive into everything, though, make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Ring the notification bell and then go over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating and review. I love going in there and reading the reviews on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way to help out the show. It only takes you... About 15 seconds or so to drop a quick thought in the review box there and then click on those five stars. But let's start off on the trade front because there's a rumor that I haven't fully addressed yet that's been floating around. And that has to do with our old friends, DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic returning to Los Angeles, potentially via trade. Now, this comes from Zach Lowe. And I want to preface this by saying sometimes it's important that we stop and we listen to What's actually said? Now, a lot of people have been talking about this rumor, talking about should the Lakers give up Russell Westbrook and a couple of first-round picks in order to get these guys. And I'll get to that in a moment. But Zach Lowe, when he talked about this rumor, he said that what he had heard was that the Lakers internally had discussed this, had discussed potentially trying to trade for Nikola Vucevic and DeMar DeRozan with the Chicago Bulls. That's it. Not that they had reached out to, to Chicago to see if there's interest there. Not, if they, not that they had presented a formal offer or anything like that. Just that they had talked about it internally. And my first thought was, well, of course they've talked about it internally. I'm sure they've talked about a ton of things. I bet most front offices around the NBA have talked about the potential of trading for Vucevic, for DeMar DeRozan, for just about anybody else in the league. Because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have those kinds of conversations. So even if that's been an internal discussion with the Lakers, I'm sure there are many, many, many other 
internal discussions that are going on. So take this with a big grain of salt. Don't just assume this is out there. This is ready for the Lakers to just hit the accept button and the deal's done or anything like that. No, but that, that being said, let's still discuss the merits of this trade. Potentially the Lakers, at least to some degree, have considered the possibility of trading for Nikola Vucevic and DeMar DeRozan. You get a big who can shoot the three, who can score the basketball, in theory should complement Anthony Davis fairly well. Not the best defensive player, certainly no Miles Turner defensively, but a better offensive player, I think, that Miles Turner is. And then you get DeMar DeRozan, of course, kind of the, the one who got away, the player who they could have potentially gone out and gotten instead of Russell Westbrook. DeRozan has the ability to score from the mid-range. Um, very, very good operating out of the pick and roll. Better passer than he gets credit for. But, you know, when I look at this deal, I think Russell Westbrook and two first-rounders for Nikola Vucevic, for DeMar DeRozan, your initial reaction, my initial reaction when, when hearing that was, man, those are those are two really good players, right? I mean, isn't, isn't that kind of what the Lakers are looking for? If you're going to give up both first-round picks, you want two guys that you know can move the needle. And now Vucevic, there's some people that are higher on him than others, but the bottom line is next to AD, he should fit pretty well. And you know what? You can still run Anthony Davis as your primary center most of the time we've talked about it as well that you want to get a wing and a big or two wings that's really what you're looking for if you're going to get two players right now the lakers are going to look for a wing and a big or two wings the wing is the most critical part to me you need wings on this team particularly guys with size who can be switchy defensively and stretch the floor and that's where this starts to fall apart to me right nikola vucevic okay sure you've got a little bit of a challenge in that like Miles Turner, he's due for a new contract next year. And so then you're talking about, you know, are you going to resign him? How much? What's that going to cost? Do you want to commit long-term to him? That's maybe a bit of an issue. Then you've got DeMar DeRozan. And look, LA guy, right? I mean, checks that box just like Russell Westbrook did, right? LA guy coming back home. Um, there was obviously a lot of interest from his side in terms of coming back to the Lakers. He's mentioned it several times since then about how he thought he was going to be a Los Angeles Laker until suddenly the Lakers were uh, trading for Russell Westbrook and, and everything shifted. And so he wound up going to the Chicago Bulls. But nonetheless, I wonder, is this really the fit that you need? Like talent wise, this is pretty much what you're looking for, right? If you're the Lakers and you're going to go out there and you're going to give up both those future first round picks and you're going to say, okay, this team we've got right now, this team can get it done. This team can contend, which I think this Lakers front office is starting to see that. That's what we heard from Dave McMenamin a few days ago was that the front office, they're past that point where they're just kind of evaluating things. And now they've, they've come to realize, yes, this team has something and we're going to get them some help and we're going to do what we can to kind of push them over the top. DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic would help them do that. But is DeMar DeRozan the perfect fit? No. He's not. And we had this conversation two summers ago when we were talking about should the Lakers trade for Buddy Heald? Should the Lakers trade for Russell Westbrook? Should they trade for DeMar DeRozan? We were talking about the pros and cons of all those players. And the cons, even though they're not the same player at all, they're very, very different. But the cons for Russell Westbrook and DeMar DeRozan are actually fairly similar. I mean, DeRozan is not a knockdown three-point shooter. He's in the low 30% uh, this season. Shot better last season, and you can argue, well, that percentage would probably go up playing alongside LeBron James. But then that adds the other wrinkle. Can he play alongside LeBron James? DeMar DeRozan is at his best when the basketball is in his hands. He's pretty good operating out of the pick and roll. Russell Westbrook also at his best when the ball is in his hands, and we've seen the challenge that's that, that that is presented with LeBron I'm not saying I'm totally against doing this talent wise. Uh, it makes a lot of sense, but 
really what you're looking for, right? If we go, if we go big picture, what is it the Lakers want to put as, uh, alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis? What are, ideally, the building blocks. What do you want to put on the floor? You want two things. You want shooting and you want defense. That is what you need. And then, and then if you can find other skill sets from there, that's great. But the building blocks are shooting and defense. Well, Nikola Vucevic can shoot the ball. Can he defend? Eh, not really. DeMar DeRozan, can he shoot the ball? Eh, not, not really. Um, not from three anyway. He's a really good mid-range shooter. So I'm not, I don't want to categorize him as a non-shooter or anything like that. He's so good from the mid-range that he can make up for some of that uh, lack of three-point shooting. That's something that he's capable of doing. So I want to be careful. I'm not trying to say DeMar DeRozan is a bad player. Um, defensively, is he a great defender? Eh, not, not really. Um, my issue is if I'm the Lakers, the fit has got to be perfect. And I don't know that this is. Talent-wise, I think it checks the box. But I'm a little bit concerned that you're perpetuating some of the issues that you've got on the team right now if you go and you do a deal like this. Um, on top of that, you look at the age. Both of them into their 30s. Both of them into, into their 30s. I mean, DeMar DeRozan will be 34 before the start of next season. Nikola Vucevic uh, is going to be turning 33. So you've got these two players who are into their 30s, and that brings me to the final reason why I'd be hesitant to do this if I'm the Lakers. If I'm the Lakers, I've said this before, if I'm going to give up both those first-round picks, I want to try to make sure that whatever I'm getting in this trade is either so clearly going to make me the favorite to come out of the Western Conference, and I don't know that this is that, or it's getting me guys that I think two years down the road, three years down the road, whenever LeBron hangs them up, whenever maybe it becomes time to transition into a full rebuild, I'm going to be able to flip those guys for future draft capital, right? I'm going to give up draft capital right now, but ideally, I'm going to get guys who are young enough to where a few years down the road, if I need to pivot, if I need to go into a true rebuild, I'm going to be able to recoup some of that draft capital that I'm giving up today in a future trade by trading those guys away for picks. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you're getting players who are young enough to where they project to still have value three years from now. That's been my problem in terms of like a Boyan Bogdanovich deal. Why I wouldn't be willing to give up a first round pick. If I'm giving up a first, I need to have at least some hope that a few years down the road, I can turn that player back into a first. Bojan Bogdanovic, 33 years old, pretty unlikely that two, three years down the road, you're going to turn him back into another first-round pick. Same thing would hold true with DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible for those guys to be flipped into future assets. It could happen, but it's just unlikely given their age. It's less likely that you'd be able to turn them into future assets than it is you would be able to do so with Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, for example. Um, now, you can argue that maybe DeMar DeRozan and Vucevic give you a little bit more bang for your buck right now. I think you can make an argument in either direction. But again, the age to me is a factor as well. So on the surface, you hear this and you go, whoa, DeRozan, Vucevic coming to LA. Man, those are, those are some pretty big names. That's some firepower. All right, let's go. But when you dig a little bit deeper, that deal, especially if it costs you both first-round picks, it loses its luster a little bit, at least to me. Again, talent-wise, I think you check that box. But fit and then long-term potential, uh, that's where it gets a little bit iffier. Nonetheless, interesting, something to keep an eye on. And if that's the caliber of trade that's out there for the Lakers, I think that's a good sign 
moving forward in terms of what we can expect to hear as we get closer to that December 15th date when uh, contracts from last summer become eligible to be traded, which is kind of seen as the unofficial start to trade season around the NBA. All right, before I get into some of our fan questions and comments, though, we also need to talk about kind of an overall problem with the trade market in the NBA. And it's it's this very simple question. Who is selling? I, I think this is part of why, you know, when we look at this, when Lakers fans look at the situation with the trade market right now, and we say, why aren't the Lakers making a move? Why haven't they just gotten something done? Especially when they were losing, right? It felt like we're watching this team struggle to keep their head above water. Oh my gosh, someone throw in a life preserver, execute a trade, right? Save them. And it just wasn't happening. And we talked about how there's a lot of teams that just aren't ready to trade yet. But then you look at the standings and I think this is a problem. I think this is a problem with the trade market right now. Uh, it's, it's the standings and the way they line up. I'll put it up on the screen here for anybody who's watching on the YouTube channel. Uh, anybody who is uh, listening to the podcast version, I'll still read off where things are at. But when you look at the standings right now, so you've got Oklahoma City won last night, so they moved back up ahead of the Lakers. But it's very tight, very compact in the West. And that gives you a lot of hope that, hey, you make a move and there's a lot of upward mobility here. I mean, the Lakers are right now five and a half games out of first place in the Western Conference. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. They are, um, you, you got what, two games? out of ninth, two and a half games out of eighth, right? I mean, two, either two and a half games out of a playoff spot, not a play-in spot, a playoff spot getting to the sixth seed. So the West is very compact. There's opportunities to move up. But the other problem is look at the West. How many teams have already packed it in? How many teams are quote unquote tanking right now? There's not many, Right. OKC has actually won one more game than the Lakers have. They're 10 and 13. Now, I think organizationally, they're tanking. They're they're not planning on winning a lot this season. I think I would imagine that when the dust settles, the Lakers will have more wins than the Oklahoma City Thunder. They better have more wins than the Oklahoma City Thunder, but that's not the way it lines up right now. Uh, Houston and, and San Antonio, clearly tanking, right? Those are typically the teams that are going to be willing to sell off talent. And this is one of the byproducts of the play-in situation where now you've got 10 teams that can get into that playoff or play-in mix. And that keeps teams in it a little bit longer, which I think creates more exciting basketball. I think it's overall positive for the league, but when you're trying to make a trade and you've got teams that are sitting in 12th that feel like, oh, Hey, we're right there. We're right there. Those aren't going to be teams that are going to be willing to give up talent. And then you go look up at the East Detroit, Charlotte, Orlando. That's it right now. And this is why there's so much of a, of a spotlight on the Chicago Bulls, who right now are sitting in 12th in the Eastern Conference and have not been playing great, lost their last two. And so people are looking at that team and saying, well, might that team flip the switch here and ultimately decide, hey, we're going to call it for the season. They've got um, some protections on their pick. Do they try to tank and, and sell off some talent? Maybe. Maybe they go that route. I would imagine they want to wait until Lonzo Ball gets back and then want to see what they've really got then. But that's, we're talking about January. So how many teams realistically are selling talent right now? Maybe Charlotte, but let's, let's include them. Detroit, Orlando, Houston, San Antonio. Maybe we can put OKC into the mix. But again, right now they're actually ahead of the Lakers in the standings. So that's it. 
Those are the only teams right now looking to trade away talent. So then you got to stop and think, all right, who on those teams is worth going and getting? Who on those teams is going to move the needle? And there's probably not going to be that many players because if there were a lot of players who moved the needle, then those teams wouldn't be in the situations they're in anyway. So we talk about San Antonio. Sure, we can go to Yaka Pirtle. We can talk Josh Richardson. We can talk Doug McDermott. Um, are those the superstar caliber trades? No, but maybe that's like a Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn trade. You can target Pirtle and Richardson or something like that. No, that's not a bad deal, but that's that's one option. The Houston Rockets want to move Eric Gordon. They have for years now, so that's nothing new. Is he going to move the needle a ton for you? Probably not. The Thunder, I don't know who they'd be looking to move right now. Um, the Orlando Magic, they have some tradable contracts. Mo Bamba, Gary Harris, those guys are interesting. They're not movable until December 15th. The Lakers have a, a good relationship, a good trade relationship with them where they've executed deals with them in the past. So maybe there's something to keep an eye on there. But again, are those guys who really move the needle? I don't know. Again, maybe that's a Pat Bev, Kendrick Nunn deal. And those are good. Orlando did a really nice job structuring these contracts to where they are essentially expirings, but not so that they don't have um, the ability to veto a trade. They don't have a, a, a no trade clause. So they've got a second year that's non-guaranteed on guys like Gary Harris and Mo Bamba. And you, you've got like Terrence Ross is there. There's a few pieces. Detroit, Boyan Bogdanovich, it could be retraded. I thought Detroit did a nice job actually increasing his value with the deal they gave him and the fact that it's not entirely guaranteed. But so maybe there's a target there. And then we talk about the Charlotte Hornets. Gordon Hayward's hurt. So that, that's probably not somebody you're going to go after there. Um, Miles Bridges, I, I've talked about this. That's not happening. The only way the Lakers get Miles Bridges is if the, the Hornets say, you know what, that's it, we're done. We're waiving him. And the Lakers sign him to a veteran minimum. And then he's going to be suspended for I mean, God knows how long by the NBA. Um, you've got PJ Washington is, is interesting. Kelly Oubre Jr. is interesting. Terry Rozier is interesting. There's a few players there, but that's it. I pretty much just went through everybody. The problem is two of the teams that we discussed as tanking teams heading into the season, Utah and Indiana, have both significantly outperformed those expectations. They've been much better. And so when we look at this whole tanking situation, when we look at the trade market, I don't see a lot of sellers right now. And that, I think, is part of why the Lakers, it's not just December 15th being the unofficial trade deadline or trade kickoff, I should say. It's also, you're hoping that as we get further into the season, there, there will be more teams, like maybe Chicago, who look at the standings and they're not just not quite climbing and they just and they hit a point where they say, you know what? okay, this isn't going our way. This isn't our season. Let's trade away some players. Let's get back some future assets. We'll regroup. We'll, uh, we'll get a nice high draft pick this year, and then, and then we can figure things out next summer. That's what you're looking for. Because right now, I think there's a lot of teams out there that are looking at, like you look at the Western Conference. How many teams in the West right now are thinking, oh, we make one move. We make one, and we could be the best team in the conference. You look at, there's no dominant team in the West. It's wide open. There's a lot of buyers, not a lot of sellers. And that's not great for the Lakers, who apparently are going to be in buyer mode. They're going to be trying to make a move and get some talent coming in. But again, right now, there's just there's not a lot of options that are out there. 
And that can create a difficult environment. So I think that's something we have to keep in mind. When we're looking at the trade market, we have to remember that it, it really is an entire market, right? And we have to consider supply and demand. In terms of players that we project to be available right now, there's just not that many of them that really move the needle. Now, again, as time goes on, I think that will change. But for the Lakers and for a lot of teams, you want to do something sooner rather than later, particularly, again, in the West. The being so tightly compact, you want to get guys in right now, give yourself that boost and make a push up the standings instead of waiting till say the trade deadline and then having to go on a furious run to close out the season. So a lot of things to consider there. Ultimately though, I think that factor, just not being, not having that many teams that will consider themselves sellers just yet. I think that's going to be a complicating factor for the Lakers in trying to get a deal done. Again, not saying they won't get a deal done. I think I'm, I'm more optimistic than ever that they will. I think this team has shown so much this season and that win over the Bucs just underscores it that much more. Um, this team has, has shown a ton. So I do think ultimately they will get something done. I just don't know when it's going to be. Will it take getting a little further into the season so that some teams lose hope and decide, okay, let's pack it in and let's see what we can do to finally move off of some of these players. But let's get into some of the fan questions and comments uh, that came in after the Bucks game. That's going to leapfrog me into a lot of different topics, and we've got a, a ton to get through. So let me get into those. Uh, here's what we've got to kick things off. Uh, Kepu said that low post pick and roll unlocked our offense. Yeah, some of these are going to be just responding to the game. Yeah, the, the Lakers did a really nice job getting LeBron, uh, the ball in particular, either in the paint or right outside the paint, and then running a little pick and roll with AD where you don't have a lot of space to operate, but when it's LeBron and AD, you don't need that much space. And so that gave them one dribble, if that, to the basket, and they were able to attack pretty quickly. And that was good to see for the Lakers. Uh, Sean Mills, AD back to MVP caliber play. Uh, yeah, he is. Ooh, he looks like one of the best players in the NBA right now. He looks like an MVP caliber player for sure. He has been absolutely incredible. Very, very impressive stuff from Anthony Davis. And uh, man, let's just keep it rolling. Let's keep it rolling. Hopefully AD will be able to perform tonight against the Washington Wizards. By the way, I should mention this. The Lakers taking on the Wizards tonight. We will be live on playback. Uh, during the game, I'll put the link down in the description on the YouTube channel. Uh, but LeBron right now is questionable with that that ankle bugging him from uh, from the Bucks game. We saw him injure the ankle, and uh, it was Middleton that kind of rolled up on him a little bit, and so he is questionable right now to play in this one. Dennis Schroeder also questionable, but Dennis Schroeder on his Instagram uh, was posting photos from the airport. So I imagine he is on the way. He just his son was just born, uh, which congratulations to him. But it appears that he's on his way to Washington. It did say his flight got delayed a few times, though. So fingers crossed, hopefully Dennis Schroeder uh, gets there and is able to play. Always winning. Says, please talk about dumb refs. LeBron James cannot buy a call. I don't know what they're going to need to do. He took, uh, Jeff Spiegel and I talked about it. He took 14 shots in the paint <laughs> and, and got two free throws. He's got to be beyond frustrated at this point. He just can't seem to get any respect from the officials. And, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If it was just called like that around the NBA all the time, then it would just be, okay, that's how it is. But go look at the whistles Joel Embiid's getting. Look at the whistles Giannis got. You're seeing other guys who attack the basket like LeBron does, who get contact like LeBron does, getting whistles that LeBron doesn't. It's frustrating. And I can only imagine how frustrated he is. Nirash said, what a performance. AD is looking MVP caliber. This game clearly shows we are just two pieces from the chip. LBJ with those crucial threes. Russell Westbrook with 11 assists. This is the best they've ever been. Three double-doubles. Absolutely. This is the best we've seen. Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis played together. Zero turnovers between them. Now, you can also say, how likely is that to happen again? Probably not very likely, if we're being honest. But nonetheless, this was a fantastic performance and hopefully something that they can use to build upon. I do wonder tonight against the Wizards, how difficult is it going to be to not have a letdown? Right? Like the energy... The emotion, everything was so high for that box game. It felt like a play. That felt like a game seven playoff game. It was electric. How do you bring that when your next game you're taking on the Wizards, right? Like that's that's going to be a challenge for this Lakers team. And Darvin Ham talked about it after the game, talked about trying to get that consistency in there. So that's something I'm going to be watching. What's the Lakers energy level in the in the next one? Uh, Nathan says, reminds me of the game before the COVID shutdown. Yes. Yes, people forget this. All the people who run around screaming bubble chip and, and Mickey Mouse ring and, and all that kind of stuff forget that right before COVID hit, right before everything shut down, the, the, like the top three teams in the NBA that season, it was the Lakers, it was the Bucs, and it was the Clippers. Those were the top three. Everybody was picking one of those three to win the championship. And what did the Lakers do right before everything shut down? They beat the same weekend. They beat the Bucs and they beat the Clippers. I mean, they, they've just proven that they were the best team in the NBA. There's, If anything, if anything, we can say that most likely the outcome, had it been played elsewhere, not in the bubble, would have been the same. The Lakers had just proven they were the best team. And yes, this game against the Bucs was in some ways uh, similar to that game right before COVID hit and everything shut down uh, when the Lakers did beat the Bucs. That was such a big matchup for them. Uh, Darren Montgomery, we've been missing a healthy AD. Wanted to make a statement, and he did. Finally embracing that it's his team. Let's go Lake Show. Yeah, on that last bit, this is AD's team. This is Anthony Davis's team. I think we're seeing it. I think it's clear. I think the players are recognizing it. That does not mean that LeBron's not going to contribute. That doesn't mean that LeBron's not going to make a major impact. He absolutely is. But AD is at just He's at another level. He's at another level. And this is there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing. In fact... That's what you want. This is what the Lakers planned for. This was the idea when you brought Anthony Davis in. In fact, the Lakers were hoping this would have happened a couple of seasons ago, that LeBron 
wouldn't have to carry so much of the weight anymore because AD was going to take over, because AD was going to take the reins, it was going to be his team, and off you go. Didn't happen. And we saw LeBron, who had to do a lot of heavy, heavy lifting the last two seasons, that he probably didn't want to have to do. Now AD seems to be back, back. Maybe I shouldn't say back since he was dealing with a back injury, but um, his back appears to be feeling better. And that seems to have pushed him to another level of play. It's his team right now. It's his team. He's that good. He's the give him the ball and get out of the way guy. He's the make all the big plays guy. He's the one that's um, really carrying the team. And again, that's how it's supposed to be. Nothing wrong with that. That's nothing against LeBron. That was the plan. We're just finally seeing it executed. As long as AD is a first option and healthy, the Lakers are good. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, if, if AD is healthy, the Lakers, they've got... Look, you just beat the Bucs. The Lakers are, what, 7-3 and three in the last 10? 7-2 and two in the last 9, if you want to look at it that way, right? There's no team right now that just saw what the Lakers did to the Bucs, against the Bucs, and is saying, oh, that's the matchup I want in the playoffs. LeBron, AD, with this team playing the way they, they have been, I still think their ceiling is capped. And we'll talk about that as we get into some trade questions about you know kind of what they can do in order to raise that ceiling a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, wow. That 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 game against the ball, that was fantastic. Way to go, Coach Ham, on besting your old boss. David Howard says, absolutely. That that had to feel extra good for Darvin Ham. That's that's the other thing, right? Darvin Ham, this team clearly cares about him. And I, I don't want to get all mushy or anything here, but they care about him having success. They care about the things that matter to him. Things that are important to him are important to the team. So like you see the team really fighting and then celebrating when they finally get Darvin Ham's first win. Like that was something that mattered to them. And now you've got this big homecoming of sorts for Darvin Ham going back to Milwaukee. We spent all those years as an assistant. That's obviously something that's going to matter to him. And then the team puts on their best performance, the best performance we've seen from them, not just this season, but last season too. Um, the team showed up for Darvin Ham. And that's cool to see. And that tells you he's getting through to them. That tells you that even though we might quibble about the rotation, we might say, oh, we'd rather see this guy in instead of that guy. Or why didn't he call a timeout here? Or why didn't he use a challenge there? The players want success for him. And that's the first hurdle you have to clear. The other stuff you can tweak. The other stuff you can adjust. But the first thing is the players have to care about the coach. The players have to buy in to what the coach is saying and what the coach wants them to do. And I think it's early still. And this is his first season. But right now, that box is being checked. It's a yes. Rocky Delgado. Shout out to my brother Augustine in Colton, California. Laker fans since TV antennas. You know what, like, we don't do like a lot of shout outs here on the show or anything like that, but this just kind of struck a chord with me, what Rocky's saying here, because this really felt like one of those kind of like come together moments, right? That win, like it was more than just one game, wasn't it? That feeling, I think this is the best way to put it. That game against the Bucks, it felt like Lakers basketball again. Not to try to steal a phrase from Darvin Ham because that was what he shouted after the game was, you know, that's what Lakers basketball is all about. But it felt like that was Lakers basketball. That's the excitement. That was the energy. That was the energy, just the enthusiasm, the 
the joy after a great game that we just haven't experienced enough over the last year and a half or so. And um, yeah, it felt like the Lakers again. Uh, Anonymous. So LeBron not getting foul calls. Master lock the refs. Yeah. I mean, I talked about it already, so I won't go into it again. But yes, LeBron needs more calls for sure. Uh, Billy could tell AD had his touch within the first five minutes. That was the part of his game that's been kind of missing um, for a good chunk of, well, all of last season, I guess recent seasons. But the outside shot was falling for Anthony Davis. That makes such a big difference uh, in terms of just his ability on the offensive end. Uh, Wicked said, this was the title I was hoping to see. I mentioned in my title for the uh, the live show that we did post game was that uh, Anthony Davis outdueled Giannis. I mean, it was a couple of seasons ago. That was a legitimate debate. Anthony Davis or Giannis, who would you rather have? Like that was a real debate. And over the last two years, that's been laughable because AD hasn't been healthy. And when he's been healthy, he's been nowhere near Giannis's level. A couple of nights ago against the Bucks. Anthony Davis was the best player on the floor. And Giannis had a great game. He put up 40. And Anthony Davis was the best player on the floor. That's that's beyond impressive. That, that's beyond impressive. Like Giannis hits you with his best, and AD tops that. Wouldn't have predicted that would happen what, even just a few weeks ago. Credit to AD. Incredible stuff. Beverly Nunn and a first for Caruso and Patrick Williams. See, if I'm the Bulls and I'm rebuilding, Patrick Williams isn't a guy that I'm... If the Bulls decide, hey, that's it, you know, let's just get some expiring contracts, let's get some future draft capital, and let's tear this thing down. Patrick Williams isn't a piece I'm moving. He's a guy I'm keeping. So that's where I think this, this falls apart. Look, it would be great to see Alex Caruso back in LA. Don't get me wrong, but I don't see... I, it doesn't make sense to me for the Bulls to trade Patrick Williams if they're going to rebuild. Superstar that Reginald Thomas says the superstar of the night is Darvin Ham. Um, getting the win in Milwaukee, sure. Um, I also thought Darvin did a nice job just coaching the game, coaching that game. The, the Lakers, again, we're always going to have moments where we can say, well, why is this lineup on the floor? Why did they run that play or, or whatever? But Darvin Ham coached a really good game uh, against the Bucs. Marcus Stewart said, nights like this really make my night. Anthony Davis came and showed out, and it definitely gained me faith in the Lakers going forward, and I hope we get better shooting without sacrificing Brody. Okay, so let's talk about that, the trade front. The Lakers, and I talked about this on a previous show, they have essentially a few different ways that they can play this. You can trade Russell Westbrook and both first-round picks and go get a big talent upgrade. Maybe it's Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Maybe it's DeRozan and Vucevic. Maybe it's... Something else. Um, you're going to be kind of big game hunting, right? Essentially, if you're going to make that move. You could also just trade Kendrick Nunn and Patrick Beverly, put them together, add a pick. Yeah, you still keep a pick for a future move. Off you go. But one of the things that we're seeing is that Russell Westbrook is becoming, has become a pretty important part to this Lakers team. He's not a negative. And so that becomes a challenge. Because if every team around the NBA, if Rob Polinka picks up the phone and he calls Indiana and he says, hey, Indiana, um, you know, Russ is playing much better. He's not a negative for us. We're not desperate to move him. We're perfectly fine keeping him. Uh, what Russ and, and what for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner now? Indiana is probably still going to say two firsts, unprotected. 
That's the challenge. Because I don't know that Russ's value has changed that much around the NBA. I think other teams will look at him and will consider him, but how much are they really going to give you for him? Because even, even though Russ, he was great, that play, uh, the, the diving play to poke the ball free from uh, Chris Middleton, that really kind of helped seal the game. Absolutely incredible stuff. But how many teams are looking at the Lakers right now saying, let's give up something. Let's give up some assets for Russell Westbrook. Or, hey, we want to pay Russell Westbrook $47 million. That's what it comes down to. Even with as well as he's been playing, he's not worth $47 million. So that's a problem if you're the Lakers. If the notion that's still out there is any deal that results in Russell Westbrook going from the Lakers roster onto another team's roster, the price for the Lakers doing that is one pick. And if the Lakers are getting anything back, then the price becomes two picks. One pick to take Russ, one pick to bring something back for him. That was the math that we heard over and over and over again this past summer. If that hasn't changed, then why are you trading Russ? Then what are you doing? Because if you're only getting marginally better, then what's the point? What's the point, right? If you've got Russell Westbrook, who is not a negative right now, let's say Russ is a six out of 10. If you can get a couple of guys who are a seven out of 10, maybe you can find a way to make the team better as a whole. Maybe you get guys who fit better, but is that enough to give up both first for them? Now, again, I, I've said many times that I would have done the Buddy Heald and Miles Turner trade um, for both those first round picks. I, I think those guys fit very well. And so I'm not saying you just don't do anything, but the Lakers, their trade math has changed significantly. They're not looking at Russ as a guy where they're wondering, do we need to just send this guy home? Because he's not giving us anything. He's actually helping them right now. He's helping them win games. So that pushes me more towards what can you do for Patrick Beverly and, and Kendrick Nunn? What can you do for those two guys? If teams are going to continue to try to fleece you on a Russell Westbrook trade, do you just say, all right, forget it then. We don't have to deal Russ. We don't have to. He's, he's playing just fine. Let's switch it up and let's look at these two expiring contracts what can we do for these guys? Surely you're not going to charge us a first round pick to take on a $13 million expiring contract in, in Patrick Beverly, especially if we're bringing back a guy who's got multiple years left on his deal. That I think needs to be the path for the Lakers. If that really is the way that teams are still going to play it in terms of a Russell Westbrook trade. And maybe it's not, maybe that changes as we get into, you know, closer into January and all of that. And for us continues to play well, maybe the dynamic around the NBA changes, but as long as teams are going to demand a first just for the trouble of having Russell Westbrook on their roster, I think that's going to make it hard to make a deal because Russell Westbrook isn't a guy that you just need to jettison anymore for the Lakers. All right. Edgar Lopez says, feels like the 2020 Lakers, but am I the only one who is still holds my breath when Russ has the ball in the fourth? I mean, look, I think we're all with you on that. Russ, he's been much better and give him all the credit, and he's coming off the bench, and things are looking good, and oh my gosh, did Darvin Ham really figure this out? But at the same time, Russ still does Russ things sometimes. He has silly turnovers. He misses clutch free throws. Uh, he'll brick a three-pointer at an inopportune moment, right? He Things happen. Uh, Russ still does Russ things every now and then, even if it is a lot less than last season. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still a little bit nervous when we see Russ with the ball in the fourth quarter and he's being called upon to, to make a big play. Overall, he's been more good than bad, though. That's for sure. Jarrett 
said, Ham didn't use that small four in Davis or LeBron. Thank you. We need more of this. Walker, Reeves, LeBron, uh, winning Gabriel, and Davis. It was so energetic and the def uh, on defense. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really good group. A lot of energy, a lot of defensive versatility, a lot of switchability. I'm in agreement. I, I know a lot of you feel the same way. If we don't see the four guards and a big lineup ever again, I'd be okay with that. I'd be more than okay, particularly when it's Russ, Nunn, Pat Bev, Austin Reeves, say, and then AD. Like Nothing against AD or Austin Reeves or anything, but asking a Austin Reeves at 6'5 to be your power forward in that group. And then you've got the problem of like all this skill set duplication. Um, we've even seen it with what Pat Bev out and Schroeder in, right? So you've got like Schroeder, Nunn, and Russ, and they all kind of want to do similar things out there. It's just a mess. It's just a mess. Um, I, I agree. I, and I think the answer to it, until you find a trade, the answer might be more minutes for Wenyan Gabriel, who's been really good. He's been good enough to where 15 minutes a night should be a lock for him. Now, I'm not saying you want to go play him 25 minutes or anything like that or ask him to take on a bigger role. But 15 minutes a night and when you can go 100 miles an hour and give us everything you've got in 15 minutes each night, I think that's a better choice than, well, we don't have very many wings, so Schroeder, Russ, Nunn, you guys are all on the floor at once. And one of you has to be a small forward. One of you is a two guard. And it just gets messy. It gets messy. You get crushed on the boards. I'd much rather lean on Wendy Gabriel. And I think he's proven himself to be capable of doing that. Uh, Mahmoud said, Westbrook aggression is amazing. Do we trade him? Well, I already went over that whole dynamic, so I'm not going to rehash that one. Uh, but it is, I think, more in question now. And I think it's more likely they trade Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn rather than a Russ trade at this point. Not saying they don't. I mean, you look around the NBA, see what you can find, of course. $47 million, you can bring back a lot of salary. You can change your team significantly with that much money going out. But um, I just don't think they have to. Don't think you have to trade Russ with the way he's been playing. And if other teams are still acting as though the Lakers are desperate to trade him in terms of what they want in return, that's not, that's not the environment to get a deal done. LeBron needs to play point guard, this person says. Next level passer, go Lakers. Well, the problem is LeBron doesn't want to, right? I mean, we talk all about how AD doesn't want to play center, right? That's That's been a discussion forever. But look what the Lakers have done two seasons in a row. You go trade for Dennis Schroeder in order to take some of the creating burden off of LeBron. That's not working. So you go get Russell Westbrook, take some of the creating burden off of LeBron. Um, he doesn't want to, at this stage in his career, have to be the guy to initiate the offense every time down the floor. And so, while yes, I think LeBron can play point guard, I think if you're going to do that, it's it becomes that much more important that you've got a secondary attacker out there as well. Whether it's, I mean, it could even be Austin Reeves, but you need somebody else who can run the offense because I don't think at 37 going on 38 later this month, you want LeBron to have to run the entire offense every single trip down the floor. Uh, Aaron said, this team has some heart. You can see the potential. It's weird. I don't want to see Russ get traded. We're seeing more and more Laker, Laker fans with that sentiment. Who would have thought that just a few months ago, right? Everybody was saying that, and myself included, we were saying, I don't know how you start the season with Russ on this roster. And now people are saying, don't trade the guy. He's too good. Yeah, I love it. This is, 
this was so, what we what's happened so far was the best case scenario and we're and it's and it's playing out it's happening right russ is finding success russ accepts a role coming off the bench that helps with that he's making a connection with the fans you're no longer getting the people yelling no even though we saw it at the beginning of the season when he shoots the ball he's getting cheers he got mvp chance this was always the story we wanted to tell of Russell Westbrook coming back home to LA, finding success with the hometown team, the only hometown team, the Lakers in Los Angeles. Man, I mean, this has been absolutely fantastic in terms of the dynamic that we've seen between Russell Westbrook and Lakers fans. Kyle. Uh, he was talking to Jeff Spiegel, who was on the show with me, but said, if I can support Patrick Beverly, you and the Lakers fan base can support Russ. A hot place may also freeze over, but hell, I'm glad to see the fans support our players, all of them. Yeah, agreed, Kyle. It's great to see all the fans getting behind all these players. Um, and I know people have been upset with Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn and you know guys who haven't been productive. That's just the nature of fandom, the way that it goes. But um, yeah, look... This has been a major shift in the way the fan base sees Russ, and probably the way the Russ sees LA fans as well. And, uh, and it's been a good thing. It's been a good thing. Jarrett says, trade Beverly, Nunn, and Jones for Kuz. Well, we're going to see Kyle Kuzma tonight and Daniel Gafford. So I don't know if the Wizards are going to give these guys up. Kyle Kuzma is going to be, has the ability to be a free agent this summer. But here's the crazy thing. When we look at what the Lakers need, I mean, it's Kyle Kuzma, right? You're talking about a big wing who's versatile to defend multiple positions and can shoot from outside. That's Kyle Kuzma. Um, I, for years, I was, especially that last year that Kuzma was in LA, I was in favor of a Kyle Kuzma trade because I felt like he needed, personally, he needed the, the opportunity to go spread his wings somewhere else where he could get more minutes, more experience. Um, more of an opportunity to be kind of like the guy, you know, not necessarily the 1A guy, but but more of a key piece um, for a team. Uh, and in L.A., he was stuck behind LeBron and A.D. and it felt like he was never going to get that opportunity. But that was always with the assumption that the Lakers would go get somebody to replace that skill set. That, OK, Kyle Kuzma is a young player up and coming and all that. They'll go get a couple more wings. You go get uh, a few more guys who are 6'8 and can at least shoot the three, maybe, you know different skill sets a little bit than Kyle Kuzma. Maybe they're not quite, quite as crafty of finishers or, or whatever. Maybe they're more strict three and D guys, whatever it is, but you would get some players to replace them. And they never did. They just really never did. I mean, Carmelo Anthony kind of sort of, but not really Trevor Ariza. Maybe he was supposed to do that, but again, not the same quality. So yeah, Lakers fans wanted to see Kyle Kuzma moved. We had a lot of those conversations, but the assumption was the team wasn't just going to punt on the wing position after moving Kyle Kuzma. And that's kind of what they've done. Um, even now they need wings. And so Kuzma actually fits really well with what the Lakers need right now. And if they could get him, I would not be opposed to that. I can say you're probably not getting him for just a couple of expiring contracts or a trio of expiring contracts, especially if Daniel Gafford's involved probably have to throw in some draft compensation. And then it becomes just like with Miles Turner, just like with Nikola Vucevic, the question, just like with Jakob Pertl, the question becomes, how much are you willing to pay him after this? What are you willing to pay him on the next contract? Because that's going to matter. Um, that will matter for the Lakers in terms of what they're willing to give up in a trade. What's he going to want on that next deal? Because if you have to give up a first, 
you don't want this to be a half a season and then he gets a big contract from, I don't know, Orlando or something like that, and, and then off he goes. You can't do that anymore. We already saw the Lakers do this. I mean, look, gave up assets to get Reggie Bullock. Had him for half a season. Gave up assets to get oh, Mike Muscala. Gosh, that one still stings. Evita Zubats. You give up assets to get Mike Muscala half a season. He's gone, right? We see the Lakers do this where they just don't do a good job of retaining assets and flipping assets into more long-term pieces. They just don't do a good job with their management um, in terms of those things. So you really can't get put in a situation where you're going to trade for somebody and only going to have them for half a season. They're going to leave in free agency. You need to be pretty sure if you're going to give up some type of a first round draft compensation, you, that guy's going to stay. Um, if it's second round picks, okay, you can take the gamble. But if it's a future first, you got to make sure that that player is going to stick around. And that means you got to be uh, willing to pay it. Uh, Scotty, so Jeff as permanent co-host equals 70 and 12. Jeff has done three shows for us recently uh, while I was traveling for Thanksgiving and came on against the Bucs. Uh, and the Lakers won every game that, that Jeff did. So apparently that's the trick. Jeff just needs to come on the show and that will result in a Lakers win. That, that must be it. Uh, Angel said closing lineup of Russ Walker, Reeves, Braun, AD is the way to go this season. I agree. That's that's the lineup. If you watch the live stream on playback, that's the closing lineup that I was calling for. That's what we got. Um, I think that's what works. Now I will say there will be there will be some games where you remove Russ from that equation. Where if Russ doesn't have it going, if it's just not his night, you need to be willing to pivot because we've also seen where he can he can lose games for you down the stretch if he's not having a good night against the Bucks. He was he, the, the the right decision was to keep him in to close out the game. But that may not be an every night thing. But in general, I think that's a good closing lineup. Uh, no trade needed. Just add Mello or Boogie seriously. Well, now that the Lakers waived Matt Ryan, they do have an open roster spot. Should they decide that they want to pick someone up? You could go sign Mello right now if you wanted to. Could go sign Boogie right now if you wanted to. Um, but that's not why the Lakers cleared that roster spot. It's so they'll have more flexibility on the trade market, um, which again, we expect the heat up as of December 15th, I almost, and I don't, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, but, and, and this is purely a guess. This is, is nothing more than that. Nothing behind this, but I almost wonder if they've got something already kind of lined up for December 15th, right? I mean, we've heard about that date so many times we've heard about, um, you know, now we've got the Lakers actually making a move to free up a roster spot. Now, it's even if it's December, it's early, I feel like, to make that move with Matt Ryan. But still, you just kind of wonder if there's something that they've already got in the works that's going to be ready to go once the contracts from last summer are, are tradable. Um, we'll see. It's a few weeks away. And, and again, that's nothing more than a guess at what may happen. Uh, Shavo King said, I enjoyed everything about this matchup. Felt like a playoff atmosphere. Only negative for me is Bev closing. Well, he did secure the rebound that ended the game, right? Patrick Beverly did on the Anthony Davis free throw miss. But yeah, Pat, he's, he's not been good. This was a better game for him. He actually he had, what, seven points against the Bucs. But he's not been what the Lakers were hoping he would be. I hope there is, um, if you want to call it positive regression, if you want to call it regression to the mean, if you want to call it progression to the mean, Whatever you want to call it, I hope Patrick Beverly's three-point shooting gets back to his career average of 37%. He's been down in the, in the 20s all season. That's really hurt 
the value he can provide for the Lakers because that was one of the things they thought the beginning was a consistent three-point shooter. Has not happened yet. Um, I do think he's a guy they need to seriously consider trading, but until then, hopefully the three-point shooting can come around for him. Uh, this game proves that we should trade for a wing and a center. I'm not going to disagree with that. Uh, unless you can get two wings, I'd be okay with that as well. You're not trading for a guard. That's I think that's the main point. Richardson and Pirtle, preferably. We need someone to bang with dominant bigs and a 3 and D defender. Yeah, like if you could trade... I'll tell you this. If, if I'm the Lakers and I could trade Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, and a first, even if it's unprotected, and I can get Richardson and Pirtle, and maybe I have to throw in a second or something, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. The Spurs don't have to burn cap space um, by by taking on Russ's salary or anything like that. Um, so you, hopefully you can get by without doing uh, quite as much in terms of future draft capital. They get their first for for Jakob Pirtle that they wanted. Josh Richardson, he's he's okay on the wing, but he can at least shoot the three a little bit. Um, and Pirtle's a good player. So that's the kind of move that maybe you wind up making. Again, I'm not saying the Spurs are going to be jumping at that move. They probably wait to see if something better comes along. But ultimately, that's the type of deal that I'm kind of hoping the Lakers land on. Mikey, the Lakers have to play smarter and execute better or have played smarter and executed better since the Pacers loss. It may have been needed for them to draw some hard lines for themselves. Mike, that can be true. Sometimes those difficult losses, those painful losses can be a learning experience. That's certainly what we're hoping happens here for the U.S. men's national team after their loss to the Netherlands. But um, yeah, like, Hopefully that's the case, but I think the Wizards will actually be the real test of that. Like the Bucks, Darvin Ham's homecoming, it's easy to get up for that game. Uh, you just suffered a painful loss. You got to beat the Blazers. It's easy to get up for that game because you come out fired up because you're angry about the previous game. Looking at this road trip, the Wizards are that team that's a little bit, yeah, that's the team you can overlook. And so how well they execute tonight against Washington, I think is going to be something to keep an eye on. That's This is the game that's going to be difficult to get up for, right? To really get fired up for and really lock in for because it's the Wizards. It doesn't hit the same as I'm going to go play Giannis. Look, Bradley Beal's a great player. The Wizards are a good team. Lakers mess around. They're going to lose. But it's just easier to get up for a game against Giannis on national television than the Washington Wizards. It just is. Uh, Aaron, no firepower forces AD and Braun to step up. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, if you don't have enough other, other guys on the team that can do something for you, AD and LeBron have to do more. They have to do more heavy lifting. And I can't even say that that's an ideal situation for the Lakers. You want other guys on the team that can step up. I do think that they still need two, maybe three players that can be solid rotation players before they get to playoff time. And hopefully they can find that on the trade market. Um, all right, let's pause for just a moment here um and again just a just a pause because we need to give a shout out here to our sponsor this show is indeed sponsored by better help um look better help we, we look around the sports world and you're starting to see mental health become it seems like every day a more just accepted thing to talk about a more accepted thing to struggle with everybody has their struggles. I mean, look, life doesn't come with a user manual. When it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. And we see this with, with us in our, our individual lives. We see this with professional athletes. You see this uh, across the spectrum. There are lots of people who just 
just sometimes feel stuck and feel like they just can't quite get things connected the way they want to. Uh, like navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, new relationship, or becoming a parent, all kinds of things. Dennis Schroeder tell you about that. This isn't his first child, but just became another parent, a uh, parent again. Uh, therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible anywhere, 100% online. I can tell you guys, um, I've had my own challenges in, in my life where I've needed to, to talk to somebody. And um, when you can do this remotely, it takes away one of the barriers. It makes it that much. You don't have to physically go and walk into the office and sign in with somebody at the front and, and all of that. And then you don't have to go through that whole process. It's a little bit easier when you're just, you're in your own space, you're at your house, you're in a, a comfortable place as it is. And you can just talk to somebody using the, the wonders of, of modern technology. So this is something that I think can be very helpful. It's been helpful for, for me. And I think it's something that can be very helpful for a lot of people uh, in their lives. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Lakers Nation. That's betterhelp.com. H-E-L-P dot com slash Lakers Nation. All right, we do have a few more questions here to close out the show. Actually, I've got a, I've got a pretty good amount. Let's keep rolling. Hector says, I feel like this win will prove to be the catalyst. I think it just might. Again, I think Washington is a test, but now the Lakers have proven to the front office and proven to themselves that, hey, you catch us on the wrong night, we can beat anybody. I don't, they couldn't say that heading into this game, that game against the Bucs. Uh, super dope hip hop, one of the best NBA games of the year for sure. Oh, I think it is the best of the NBA season so far. Great to see AD and Braun play together and Westbrook's game outside of the free throws. He did miss those two free throws at the end. Lonnie, big back to back threes too. Lonnie Walker was so crucial just for stopping the Bucs from overwhelming the Lakers in the third and then the Lakers next thing you know the Lakers go into the fourth down after being up at halftime and then you got to try to come back and everything Lonnie's play in especially the third quarter helped keep the Lakers afloat and helped keep the Bucks at bay and ultimately was a major factor in the Lakers getting a win um he's kind of the overlooked like we we look at what Westbrook did we look at what LeBron did AD of course having such a massive performance it's easy to forget what Lonnie did in this game and it was so critical you don't win without Lonnie doing what he did in the third Lords of the Sky said, so just came from the game. Oh my gosh. That must have, to be in the building for that game must have been absolutely incredible. Shout out to Lakers Nation. Shout out to the Bucks fans for being respectable. What a game. What a game to see in person. Congratulations that you got to go to that one. I mean, that's, that is an unforgettable experience. Uh, Katie said, so if Charlotte and Indiana are both willing to accept one first rounder, which package of players you're taking. Uh, for me, it's Indiana. If we're talking Buddy Heald and Miles Turner and Indiana's doing it for one first, that's what I'm, I'm doing. If 
Indiana would do Miles Turner for Patrick Beverly and and uh, none and one first. I would do that ahead of whatever I could get from from Charlotte as well. I'm just I'm intrigued by what Turner and, and AD could look like together. Senpai said, we need size and shooting. It's been very uh, evident every game. Whatever they decide to do with the trade, I hope they cross those two Xs. Uh, yeah, size, shooting, you need switchability. Ideally, we, again, wings, and you need guys who can shoot. It's not rocket science. I've said it before, I'll say it again, I'll say it a million times. LeBron, AD, you surround them with shooting and defense. Those two things. And in this case, specifically defensively, you need wings who can be pretty switchy. Problem is there's a lot of teams looking for that. Pretty much every team in the NBA. So it's easier said than done, but nonetheless, that's what you need to find. Big B average Beverly again is postseason Pat a thing. LOL. You mean like playoff Rondo? Remember we used to lament like regular season Rondo and everything and how he was just not very good. And um, in fact, I even lost a bet back then that playoff Rondo. I bet that playoff Rondo wouldn't show up. And, uh, and so I now have a Rajon Rondo. In fact, it's sitting right back behind me. Um, I have a Rajon Rondo jersey now because I lost that bet because playoff Rondo showed up and helped the Lakers win a championship. I don't know if postseason Pat is a thing or if it only applies to playoff Rondo. Um, he may not get a chance to find out. I don't know if he survives past the trade deadline. We'll see, though. Mamba mentality. Should LeBron rest next game? I don't like that leg turn. He is questionable right now. I don't know if he plays this one tonight either against the Wizards. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping that he does because I think they need, they're going to need the firepower out there. But um, yeah, it's all, you also don't want to mess with an ankle tweak. So we'll see. Beast mode. Ham needs to do better. Third quarter closeout lineup was bad. That's been a challenge for the Lakers all season. It's been their, their end of the third quarter, particularly the third quarter in general, but the last couple of minutes of the third quarter. But overall, I thought Darvin Ham coached a, a pretty good game. And it's hard to come away from this game upset with any particular thing because it was such an important and massive win. Uh, TJ, the problem with keeping Russ is you won't be able to keep him next year. We need more long-term contracts. Are you sure you won't? Just saying. Um, if, if the Lakers have... So here's the problem, I guess, is that the Lakers, if... Let's say that you are of the mind that you want to keep Russell Westbrook around. You, you have to renounce his rights in order to have cap space, right? So when we talk about bird rights, like I'm not saying they're going to get rid of, they have to get rid of Russ because they don't. But let's say if the Lakers are going to have, I don't know, $25 million in, in cap space, they have to renounce Russell Westbrook's bird rights in order to do that. So it's not like you, it's not like Russ comes off the books you spend $25 million and then you go, oh, well, we've got Russ's bird rights, so now let's give Russ $10 million and we'll go over the cap and keep him. That's not the way it works. You have to renounce his rights and get rid of his bird rights in order to free up that cap space. That's a loophole that used to exist in the NBA years ago that they didn't like and they got rid of. Um, so you have to renounce his rights in order to have any kind of cap room. But that doesn't mean you can't just use some of that cap room to sign him. You certainly can. Um, you could do that. So if let's say you have 25 million, you could say, Hey Russ, um, you want to take 10 million and stick around next year? And he can do that. The other thing you could do is let's say you trade Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn and you trade them for Miles Turner. All right. And Miles Turner, it, you agree to an extension and you're going to pay him, I don't know, 25 million after this. So here, your cap room is now gone, which means you're now operating as an above the cap team, which 
that means that renouncing Russell Westbrook's bird rights does nothing for you because uh, it's not freeing up any cap space because you're an above the cap team, even without him, because you've brought in a player via trade that's taking up some that all that room. So now you can pay him whatever you want because you've got his bird rights. You could say, Russ, uh, here's 15 million for one season. Cool. You're already an above the cap team. You've got his bird rights. Only thing that would matter towards is counting towards the luxury tax, but you'd still be pretty far below that. So that's the other scenario. So I don't think the Lakers can't keep him next year. They certainly can. Um, if they do decide they're going to be a cap space team next year, which means they're going to drop below the cap, they may ultimately make the choice, hey, we'd rather keep Lonnie and Austin Reeves and we're going to, you know, and we're going to go sign player X out as a free agent instead of Russ. They may make a, a difficult decision there, but the path is absolutely there for Russell Westbrook to stay if he wants to stay and if the Lakers want him to stay. Uh, Conrad, appreciate y'all, Trevor, and Lakers Nation fam. Best effing game all around in recent memory. Team is fun again, but the job is not done. Believe. All right, well, thank you. Appreciate everybody who comes in here and watches and listens to our shows. Um, you guys are the best. It's absolutely amazing. And um, I, I can't say how much fun it is to get to have games like this to share with like Lakers nation. Like it's so cool to be able to experience these moments as a community. You know, it's um, I'm very lucky to get to do this. I can say that uh, trading Beverly loses your locker room. So that's something that I've talked about the Patrick Beverly part of what he brings. It's not just what he does on the floor. It's what he does off the floor, what he does in the locker room. Those things matter. We saw the Lakers clearly were missing Jared Dudley after they let him go. Uh, missing what he provided, not on the floor, but in the locker room. So you do have to be a little wary of that. And that's where if you're Rob Palenka, you're having those conversations with LeBron. You're having those conversations with Russ. You're having those conversations with Anthony Davis. What kind of an impact would losing Patrick Beverly make on the locker room? How big of a deal is this? You need to have a strong sense of what exactly that would do. Mike said, would the Lakers have been better if they did not trade THT and Stanley Johnson for Pat Bev? Uh, on the court, I think you can make the argument, yes, um, which is not ideal, right? I mean, trading for Patrick Beverly was very much a this season move, a we're going to be better this season because this season Patrick Beverly is going to be better than Taylor Horton Tucker. Five years from now, Pat's probably not in the league and Taylor Horton Tucker probably still is. So five years from now, it's a clear loss for the Lakers. But this season, it's going to be a win because Pat's going to be better than THT. I don't know if that's happened. Not saying the THT is setting the world on fire with Utah or anything like that, but Pat has not been good. Now, you can also say maybe on the trade front, as a $13 million expiring contract, maybe you can get more for Patrick Beverly than you can get for THT, who still has a player option for the next year. Maybe teams would value future flexibility over whatever, you know, the potential that Taylor Horton Tucker has. That's possible too. It may go the other way too, where teams can say, well, we'd rather have Taylor Horton Tucker because. He's got that potential. Um, I think this is the big thing. It's not a clear win for the Lakers this season. And you know it's not going to be a win for the future. You needed it to be a clear win for the Lakers this season. So I would think the Lakers had the opportunity to go undo that. They probably do it. Although I know the move wasn't just about getting Pat. It was also about getting rid of that player option that THT has that he probably picks up because then that's more money on your books for next year. That was part of the equation here too. And there's value to that, to having that open cap space. Uh, Dr. Matt King said, best sports show, period. 
Trevor, you're talking about Lakers Nation. Thank you, man. That that's high praise. Truly appreciate that. Uh, best package we can get for none and Bev. I really think it's that Spurs deal. Um, unless you can get the Pacers to do something for Miles Turner, if you could get Josh Richardson and Jakob Pertle, that may be the ideal package for those two guys. The math would work. If you could get those two and kick in a first, that could make you significantly better. Pertle's a really good player. That, that could be that could be the deal. Lazy Bones said, keep Pat Bev, in my opinion. Need his type of toughness in a playoff series. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the other thing is, again, how much does he rub off on everyone else? How much does his defensive mentality get everybody else locked in on that end of the floor? He may not be the best player himself, but what does he mean for the team? Something you got to consider. Rookie to pro. Yes, sir. Hopefully we can get Jay Crowder or Cam. Uh, are we talking Cam Reddish? And Hassan Whiteside now. Uh, yeah, the Suns are going to move Jay Crowder. That's that's pretty clear. The Lakers have been mentioned as a team that's been in the running for him. They potentially could, but do the Suns want Patrick Beverly? That's that would essentially have to be the deal in terms of how much that that Jay Crowder makes. Uh, I mean, maybe you can get Kendrick Nunn in the mix, but I don't think that's. I just don't see why Phoenix would want those guys. Phoenix wants guys that can help them right now coming back, not a second round pick or something like that. Uh, Cam Reddish, we know the Lakers had interest last year. They had a deal that was almost done. Um, would have sent THT to Toronto. By the way, that deal that we heard a while back about THT to Toronto, and I think it was what, like Kem Birch and a first coming back. Man, that needed to do that deal if that was uh, truly there. Hassan Whiteside, he's a free agent. You could sign him right now if you wanted to. You freed up a roster spot, but again, that's not what the Lakers are going to do with their roster spot um, for the moment. Maybe something changes, but if you decide, hey, we really need another big and we're not going to find one in the trade market, so we're going to sign somebody, he wouldn't be a bad guy to give a look to necessarily. Um, but Jay Crowder, I, I don't see that happening. Cam Reddish, maybe. I mean, the Lakers have had interest in the past and they are probably going to look at wings. So we'll see there. He's going to need to be paid next season. So that's a consideration too. Uh, Tylee Bradshaw, a similar question. Hey, Trevor and Jeff, how would you feel if the Lakers try to get Hassan Whiteside they can, but I think they're going to, they would only do that if they're pretty sure they're not getting something done anytime soon on the trade front and that they really need to bring in another big. Um, and they've got to be pretty convinced. Damian Jones is definitely not it. If you're going to go sign a guy off the street who hasn't signed with any NBA team yet, um, there's a difference between making a trade for a Yaka Pertle, a Miles Turner, or somebody like that, and going and signing Hassan Whiteside. So you've got to be convinced that Hassan Whiteside is going to be significantly better than Damian Jones, which I'm not saying that's out of the question. Damian has not been good. He's my guy. It hurts me, but uh, but he's not been good. So I'm not saying it's out of the question, but you have to be 100% convinced before you're going to go do that because um, that's that's pretty much you're, you're completely done with Damian Jones at that point. So Farron said, realistic record at the end of this road trip. So the Lakers record currently is 9-12. and 12. The road trip, as it goes on, is going to see them take on Washington, Cleveland, Toronto, Philly, Detroit. They're nine and twelve right now. I think it's, I think getting two more wins is reasonable, and going three and three on the road trip, and you'd be pretty happy with that. So that would leave you, um, what eleven and 
15. So you're going to lose three. You're going to win two more. That would put you 11 and 15. That's not, I mean, I would love to say, oh, they're going to win five of the next, and they're going to win all five, or they're going to win, um, you know, they're, they're going to win four of these games or something like that. But I think three and two and three with the remaining five games, it's, you know, that puts you to 11 and 15. And, uh, and, and again, big picture, you're looking at it saying, Hey, we, we went three and three on the road trip. I think that's, that's pretty solid. There's some tough teams here, Philly, Toronto, but again, the bucks were tough too. Um, I would love to just be super optimistic and say, yeah, they're going to win three. They're going to win four. They're going to win whatever. Um, but until we see them sustain this level of play, I'm going to continue to try to be a little bit reserved, a little bit cautious. So I don't get everybody's hopes up too much. Uh, SR37 said, unless it's for a high-level player, player like Turner, I'm a little hesitant to pay, trade Pat Bev too. His energy gives me Jared Dudley vibes. I've talked about this one, so I'm not going to rehash, but it's something you have to consider, right? Pat is not just what he brings on the floor. Off the floor matters just, of, just as much with him. Not, not true of every player, but with him, it is. Uh, do you think it's realistic the Lakers can actually land DeRozan or Vucevic? Also, do they give us what we need to become a serious threat? I talked about it to start off the show. So again, I'm not going to rehash. Short story, I think firepower-wise in terms of overall talent, yes. The fit, I have some questions about, and I have questions about the age, concerns about the age as well um, moving forward. So it would depend on exactly what the deal looked like. I'm not totally dismissing that kind of a trade, but there's a few things where it's lacking, in, in my opinion. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Super Dope Hip Hop said, if LeBron's not hurt versus the Pacers, LA would be 8-1 and one in their last nine. Yeah, I think if LeBron maybe doesn't tweak his ankle in that game against the Pacers, maybe they win that one. Uh, if not historically bad against Portland and the Clippers from three, those are two wins also. That's fair. You could also say if it's, you know, if Matt Ryan doesn't hit a crazy fading away from the corner three against the Pelicans, maybe you, you lose that game. So some of the, you know, these can swing either way. But, but you're right. They're very... They're, they're closer to being to even having a winning record right now than it appears. LeBron and AD deserve at least eight more free throws. LeBron is has more assists than Magic, more points than MJ, Kobe, Wilt, Kareem. It's insane. I mean, LeBron's a very, very good basketball player, maybe the greatest of all time. I'm sure people will debate that for a long time. But yeah, just past Magic Johnson and assist. I mean, that's that's a credit to him. I've always thought when I've looked at LeBron and the way he's played, and this is not a, a like for like comparison necessarily, but when I, when people ask me what's the difference between LeBron and Kobe, 
I say, essentially, Kobe plays the game like Jordan played the game. Kobe patterned his game off of Jordan. LeBron, you've got a little bit more magic in his game than Jordan. Right? That, that's kind of the way I've, I've seen those guys. As LeBron plays more of a Magic Johnson style, and he is a, a better scorer than Magic was. So I'm, again, I'm not saying it's a perfect comparison, but LeBron doesn't play a, a Michael Jordan style of game. He plays more of a Magic Johnson style of game. Kobe plays more of a Michael Jordan style game. But um, I mean, absolutely incredible that LeBron has able to meld all of these different aspects of different players and bring them into just this one incredible player. Uh, like all those assists that he's got to have that many, to have the number of points that he's got staring down Kareem for the record that we thought would never be broken all time points in the NBA. He can pass that this year and to have more assists than magic Johnson. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I've uh, got a few more. Would you trade Russ and both first round picks for DeMar and Vucevic from the bulls? Uh, again, ultimately gun to my head. Do I have, if I have to make a decision on it, Probably going to say no, just because it's both of those. If they're unprotected, now if you want to get into pick protections and things, you can probably sway me. It's awfully close. These are both very good players, but I'm very cautious that the Lakers need to get younger guys if you're going to give up both first so that you can flip them down the road. And because we've also kind of seen what happens when you get older players. Um, we saw that last season, and I'm a little bit wary of going down that path again. Andrew Potter said, if we wait until December 15th, we can do Pat Bev, DJ, and a first to Indy, and none JTA, and a second to Detroit for Burks and Miles Turner. Does that deal do enough? Uh, yeah, you know what? I don't, I don't mind that at all. That's a, that's a pretty good idea. Because, right, I mean, we've been talking a lot about how if you get Heald and Turner, then you're getting a great three-point shooter in Buddy Heald, Plus, you're getting Miles Turner, and that, that that's the downside of just doing Pat and Nunn for Turner. And again, I don't even know the Pacers have been really good, so I'm not even 100 that they want to move Miles Turner right now. This is just spitballing here, but you're kind of replicating Buddy Heald with Alec Burks. They're not the exact same player. Buddy Heald's a different caliber, but you're getting that shooting. You're getting the shooting that you need, and you're getting. Miles Turner at the same time without having to make it be a Russell Westbrook trade and both first. I like that. I think that's, that's a pretty creative way to address the shooting problem while still getting Miles Turner and not having to give up both first. I'm not saying those teams would do those deals, but I like it. AJ said, if Russ doesn't get traded by the deadline, is there a scenario where he plays well enough to be re-signed if so, could you make moves next summer before signing him since you have his bird rights? Again, I addressed that one already. Short answer, no. Um, because now if you're an over the if you act as an over-the-cap team, sure, you could go use your mid-level exception and then re-sign Russ to whatever you want because you're already over the cap. If you're below the cap, the only way you're getting below the cap is by renouncing those rights because otherwise his cap hold will take up all of your, your salary cap space. Um, could he play well enough to be resigned? I think he's doing that right now. The question becomes, does he want to stay with the Lakers? Remember, he was very contentious last year. He knew he got shopped all summer. He's going to spend most of this year in trade talks too. I'm not 100% that he wants to stay. But if the Lakers want him and he wants to stay and they don't trade him, sure, there's that. that's a scenario. And I wouldn't have predicted that just a few months ago. 
Russ, two firsts for DeMar and Vucevic from the Bulls. Okay, I already got to that one. Bev and a first for Caruso, this one says. It would be great to see Caruso come back. Uh, are you giving up a first? It's interesting to consider. I think the Lakers need a big wing more, but I'd love to see Alex Caruso come back. If you could work him in to a DeRozan Vucevic deal, that'd be fun. All right. That about does it for today. Long enough show as it is. We're an hour and 15 minutes, but appreciate everybody for joining me. Hopefully the Lakers can continue their winning ways tonight against the Washington Wizards. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for this bonus show. Uh, if you're listening over on Apple Podcasts, make sure you give us that five-star rating and review, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Uh, and then over on the YouTube channel, make sure you subscribe and turn on notifications. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.